0: professional development, clean code, career advancement, and more. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm Judd Ash.
1: With us today is Labrina Loving. Labrina is a senior software engineer at Microsoft with over 18 years of experience in the Microsoft stack. In her role, she is focused on helping startups and ISVs migrate to Azure and modernize their SaaS solutions for cloud. Welcome, Labrina. Thanks for having me. Uh, Why don't we start off with, uh, uh, why don't you tell us how you got into the tech world?
2: Yeah. So I actually started out pretty young. Um, I was one of those kind of nerdy kids that always kind of was a little bit of a tinkerer, but I just didn't know really what that meant. Um, I didn't have like people around me to kind of tell me what that meant. I just knew like, Hey, um, I won, like I played around with like my Commodore 64. So my age is showing <laughs> and um I was always kind of a tinkerer and then um, was able to start in tech uh, in the early 2000s um, when there was a really high demand and you didn't need to have be a junior developer with 15 years of experience. You could actually be (laughs) a junior developer with zero years of experience because uh, there was such a, a demand for for people. So, yeah, that, that's kind of how our get started.
1: Okay, so you took the, the self-taught route.
2: Yeah, I took the self-taught route a little bit. I, I mean, my degree, I have a degree in industrial engineering. So, I did take one visual basic course, <laughs> which started me on my way. Um, but after that, uh, I, I sp- and I spent my degrees actually in, in industrial engineering. So, I spent exactly one year As an industrial engineer, I built one AutoCAD uh, figure and uh, then I moved over to become a software developer full-time.
1: That is not an unusual thing for uh, developers to say, that they they got a degree doing one thing and then they're not using it at all. (laughs) So what are you working on these days?
2: Yeah, so I actually, um, as you mentioned, I work with ISVs, uh, so companies who actually build software on the Microsoft Azure platform um, and startups. So I help them actually build their solutions on Azure. So I'm giving them a lot of kind of architectural guidance, talking to them about best practices, helping them kind of understand like what tools, what technologies they should use, how do they do things like, achieve disaster recovery or high availability on Azure. And yeah, just kind of, and then also kind of part of my role is to provide feedback back to our um, product group on you know, what was great and what could possibly need some improvements too. So that's kind of my day-to-day now.
0: And I know that you've been speaking recently at various user groups and, and others about C Sharp 9 and .NET 5.0 it seems like just a, a short time ago that we had Mads on the program and and talking with him about C sharp eight with everyone at home and, and dealing with whatever that means to, to stay safe and, and, and comfortable time seems to have taken on a, a new meaning these days.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I feel like um, I'm excited about the new releases of .NET 5 um, and C sharp nine. I feel like, um, there's a lot of exciting things happening, a lot of things merging, um, and um, we're kind of getting uh, getting things consolidated in a way that's really palatable for the rest of the developer community because um, there's been so many questions I get all the time, you know, what's .NET Core, what's .NET Framework, uh, what's .NET Standard? And so we're finally kind of coming together with that, with .NET 5, uh, kind of one sort of one one .NET to rule them all. So I'm excited about that. Um, And yeah, I think C Sharp 9 um, built a lot on C Sharp 8 um, and some of the cool stuff. So there's a lot of cool features around um, records and um, other things that I think will, many, many developers will be super excited about, but I think, and I think I'm excited we've gotten now, uh, to, to your point, in a really good cadence in terms of release schedule. So now we're kind of, you know, every year there'll be a new release and um, there's, you know, good kind of, a good cadence coming
0: before recording, we, we were joking, saying that the cadence is either going to be way too fast for some or way too slow for others. I'm surprised at the number of features being released with C Sharp 9 with all of the effort and energy devoted into combining the .NETs into .NET .NET to rule them all.
2: Yeah, I think it's, I think, you know, definitely the team did a lot of good work in really, you know, listening to the community and um, trying to really understand what were some of the pain points. Um, you know, some of the, um, some of and, and I think also our team has done a, a good job at, like you'll see on Twitter, you um, I love when I see some of the people from the product group like asking really like straightforward questions. Um, How are you using this thing? And um, I I love how I've seen some people like uh, David Fowler who are like trying to use .NET and all like deploying it to Azure who surprisingly like um, you know, and, and that side of the house, like, they may not necessarily um, work in in that space. But I, I love that we're really trying to really understand kind of um, how developers are using it, where they're using it, all the different use cases. So, we, so there's been a good amount of work that's been done to really kind of think from the developer's point of view and add in a lot of cool features um, that I think will be uh, really great.
1: Well, speaking of the, the features, um, like with C Sharp 9, one of the features that I've seen that um, I certainly don't fully understand because I've, I've only seen little blurbs, I haven't gotten to read like the whole thing. But what are records? like? How would we use records?
2: Yeah, so records give you um, a nice way to do kind of initialize only type objects, right? So um, if you can remember before um, you had to create, uh, there was a lot of overhead. If I wanted to create an object and make it an init only kind of object, there was a lot of um, overhead in doing that. And C Sharp records, really um, handle, help you handle that in in a a really kind of straightforward, easy way. Um, You can use the init keyword, which makes it um, very straightforward, and um, things like the data keyword. Um, So really, we've really taken a look at um, how, Um, How do you build objects and make objects immutable, which I think um, for JavaScript developers, that's always kind of a key core tenant. Like I've been recently doing a lot of React work lately, and that's kind of the core tenant of React. And I think um, many developers are kind of looking for how do I make sure that I'm creating objects in an immutable way. Um, how do I do that? And I think C sharp records really kind of help or are the
1: answer to that. Okay, so it's it's bringing more functional paradigm into C sharp then. So we're we're adding immutable objects that are, are read only and would. So is the is the intent that these will will be treated in that, that kind of pure functional way where you pass an object in and if you need to make any changes to it, you will create another new object with the new values?
2: Yeah, so there's some guidance around how do you kind of mutate that object um, and um, do kind of a, a um, inherit or, or um, if you need to make changes to it, there's guidance around how do you do that, but you're not directly making direct changes to that, that instance, yep.
1: Has the, um, so I know, so it's, it's less of a problem now with the powerhouse computers that we, that we tend to have, even like as our phones. But one of the things that caused the functional paradigm to, to kind of be slow to catch on until recently, uh, like within the last five, 10 years or so was, uh, that all of this, um, creation of new memory objects was, was heavy. So it was slow. Are there performance improvements to records that a normal C-sharp object doesn't have because it needs to be mutable, whereas the record doesn't? Or are they just like a normal object that you can't change?
2: Um, I think definitely you will see huge performance benefits just in one, they're not mutable. And two, they're immutable. And then two, just in the sheer, uh, there's a lot more kind of lines of code and work that you had to do to achieve the same thing. Now I just use the record keyword, uh, initialize things, and then I'm good to go. Whereas uh, in, previous, in, in previous versions, I could achieve somewhat similar behavior, but in more lines of code. And as I was talking with the young kids, um, apparently they don't like to write code. So (laughs) I I was, I was directly told that by one of my colleagues, uh, it's like, why should I write code if I don't have to? So, um, (laughs) and so that, that may immediately made me like feel like 50 years older. So, um,
1: visual studio, make me an app. (laughs) go
2: exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah so this is the this is this is the attempt to i could write a lot of code but why do i have to so yeah
0: and it seems in in recent years that there's been a really big initiative to reduce the amount of boilerplate reduce the amount of code that you have to write just to get off the ground
2: yes that that's exactly right that's something i think has been a really big complaint from a lot of developers. And sort of as someone who grew up with C-sharp and .NET, it sort of was ingrained in me. And um, I kind of didn't understand that that concept when, um, when developers would say that, when new developers would say that. Cause I was like, yeah, you just like, cause I was like, yeah, it's a lot of boilerplate, but once you know the boilerplate, like you just start building it and you go. But, um, you know, over the last couple of years, I've had an opportunity to work in some other programming languages and JavaScript frameworks, and I get it. <laughs> I get, you know, I get being able to just start writing JavaScript and, uh, and using React framework or Vue and, you know, in a few lines of code. I've got, I've got something, I've got a web application ready to go. Um, So I get it. I get it now. Um, And I think it's, it's huge, I think, to um, attract more of the young of more of the younger kids (laughs) that are that like fully want to just start coding and not have to deal with all of the boilerplate because that's sort of kind of where the developer community is right now.
0: So they won't know how hard we had it back in the days. So we, we had to walk uphill both ways in the snow just exactly. to get, our, no yeah, just to get our, pro- <laughs> our programs to compile. Exactly, yeah.
1: I used to be, I, I kind of grew up on uh, QBasic, Visual Basic uh, style programming, and I, I learned C and C++ at one point, even went down to assembly, uh, just, you know, because why not? Uh, <laughs> I like doing things the hard way sometimes. Um, and when, when C Sharp came out, I was actually afraid of it. There was, there was a lot new stuff to learn and I didn't understand the syntax and none of it made any sense. And then when I finally learned C sharp, I basically completely forgot VB and C++. Um, other than, you know, like there's just the base syntax. Um, and now I look at something like the top level programs and I'm like, ooh, gross. Why wouldn't you just write program main? (laughs)
2: <laughs> but like, just do it. I was, I, I, you have that initial, it's, it's funny. You do have that kind of like initial knee jerk reaction to it, but then like do it, do it like one time. And when you, when you're able to just immediately start going, it's also really helpful. Like I love top level programming. I love because, um, if you're for debugging purposes or even for like illustration purposes, it's like, it makes things so much easier. But I, I had the same like reaction, like, uh, this feels dirty. <laughs> like, like everything's supposed to be in main. Like this is not right. So I, I feel your pain. We should start a support group.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I have, I have, tried to teach uh a few individuals C sharp and the first thing that you have to tell them is, okay, this program main thing, don't worry about it. We'll get to that later. It's just, it just has to be there. And you know, I see the benefit of uh, certainly with somebody learning the language. Like you can just be like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Console dot line hello world. Boom, you're done. Right. Like that's awesome. Um and I I can see some benefit with with uh you know like your your program.cs uh the stuff that normally goes in main just kind of being there and main and program not really being there uh but it is going to take some time to get used to because it, it does feel really weird it feels more like like python or 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 you know qbasic or something
2: yeah i think um i always struggle a little bit with making sure that people understand the foundation (laughs) of whatever, like that would be like my core advice. Um, You know, shortcuts. Efficient programming is fine, but know what you're writing and why you're writing it. And so sometimes I like my initial knee jerk reaction to not wanting to do that is not really is really mainly just because like when I see the code and I see everything happening, then I, I feel like I understand it better. But then, then, and, and then you can go to the efficient programming. But um, sometimes I, I, I worry about, uh, you know, oversimplifying things for new developers because I feel like it, you know. <laughs> It, this could be old lady shouting uh, at the kids to get off her lawn, but I, I I worry about like, hey, are you are you really actually capturing the concepts and understanding the language, or are you being more just kind of procedural? So I don't know.
1: Yeah, we want we want programmers that know the libraries and the framework and the language that they're in, not people who only know jQuery.
2: Correct. Correct. Absolutely. But you know that's right, kids. So now get off our lawns and. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so with the features of of C sharp nine that we're we're looking at and in, in reading the bulleted list and, and the details, the standout feature for C sharp eight and the one that the community really latched onto immediately and, and got all the press was nullable reference types. Is there a go to feature for C sharp nine? Is there one that the community is absolutely going to go wild about?
2: I think we kind of covered like definitely records seem to be like the thing that I think is getting the most buzz around um, C sharp. Uh, I mean, as I said, there's 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 a lot there's been a lot of features or a lot of thought around immutable making things immutable. So um, I think there's kind of that uh, underlying theme. Um, And then also, uh, you know, kind of cover top level programs, which I think definitely is probably a cool thing. So, yeah, I think it's 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 that there's this recurring theme of immutability and really just kind of efficient coding, (laughs) which I think um, traditionally C-Sharp has really gotten a bad rap about being neither one of those. So, so um, uh, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, it, you know, it, it, it'll take some time to percolate through to everyone, but I, I'm hoping that really we'll, we're able to bring in more developers um, because of, of these kind of features.
1: All right. Uh, I, had, I had a question about at least one more of the new features coming in C-Sharp 9. Covariant returns I didn't know this was a thing. I just saw it in our in our show notes. Is this something like where if a method is supposed to return a list of eye fruit that I can build a list of oranges and then return that without having to cast it, or is it something else
2: I think you've got it pretty pretty close so it provides you the, the ability to override that. So if I've got like, yes, correct. If I have like iFruit and I want to return oranges or bananas, um, either way um, that that's all legal now. Um, So yeah. So essentially that, that is correct.
1: Okay. That's, that's awesome then because that's, you know, once you get into using generics and stuff like that, the, the, uh, the return-type casting can get really annoying.
2: Yeah, that, that like kind of having to do thing to and back and, un- you know, back again is... And then if you've got, like, uh, several inheritance objects, then it gets even horrible, <laughs> more horrible. Uh, so, yeah, this is definitely a cool feature that will definitely help a lot.
0: So with that, we've we talked about records. Top-level programs, covariant returns, are there other features that you're particularly excited about or, or are those covered from what we've spoken about already?
2: Um, so I think there's some things just in general in .NET. Um, mm. There's a couple of in the .NET 5 release. Um, there's some things, some huge kind of performance improvements just kind of underneath the covers. Um, so like things with string patterns um, mm. that kind of make manipulating stream, like, really basic stuff. (laughs) But um, underneath the covers, uh, got kind of a huge facelift. Um, The other thing that I think I'm super, I think I'm, like, excited about, too, is just um, there's been a lot of looking kind of at the .NET framework um, to kind of reduce um, some of the bloat and uh, some of the the kind of size. So you can do things like single file publish. Um, there's some things that you can do to actually kind of reduce the overall size of, uh, of how it uh, mm-hmm. compiles and the size of what gets uh, pushed out. Um, so there's a lot of things like that that kind of... Uh, Make your overall application just from a size-wise uh, much smaller. <laughs> so I think I'm excited about that as well because, th- again, like uh, you know, one of the things that we've heard a lot about is just around just overall kind of bloat, um, <laughs> with uh, with C# or with .NET and um, what gets published out. So uh, that's super exciting to see.
1: So with .NET 5 uh, coming up soon, what should we be doing to prepare for that release? Um, you know, like a, a .NET framework developer versus a .NET core developer.
2: Yeah, so I think um, there's some key things that are, that are coming out. Uh, so one thing I would definitely, I always like to talk about what's, kind of not gonna be around anymore. Um, So there's a couple of things that are key. Um, So like web forms is not gonna be around in .NET 5. So things like when um, WCF server and Windows workflow will be only in .NET framework 4.8, so they're not gonna be carried forward. Um, So this is now, so if you're a web forms developer, it's time to get on the uh, ASP.NET MVC bandwagon or Blazor. Definitely. Yeah, definitely get on the Blazor. I highly encourage encourage that. And eventually there'll be, I'm told there'll be some migration guides that are coming out um, as we get closer to November um, for developers who are moving from um, various .NET frameworks uh, looking to move to .NET 5. There'll, There'll certainly be some tooling maybe. (laughs) That will help with some of the migrations, although always use those with a grain of salt. Um, Things like, uh, for those who are still using WCF or Windows workflow, highly, highly recommend um, looking at gRPC. Um, So definitely something, um, I I think this is, uh, I think what's also exciting is that, you know, there's always those um, you know, stragglers for whatever reason. Um, you know, I, I get it, like maintaining code <laughs> is hard and you've got uh, an awesome web forms application and, you know, there's not been really a reason to change it. But I think this is a good time to really start thinking about some of those um, newer technologies such as Blazor and gRPC that will that definitely kind of take your application um into and help it help you modernize it so
1: i would be super excited if microsoft would put out conversion guidelines and maybe even some tooling for web forms to blazor because where i work now we still have an asp net sorry not asp net asp classic application that we are pretty much no longer able to even transform i tried for months so so to not have your web forms apps, which there are still loads of enterprise companies that, that have a web forms app, to not have that essentially die on the vine because the world has moved on would be nice to, to be able to transform it instead of have to start over.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, though, we've had tools before. <laughs> this is before, right? This is before, um, before you know, when I was converting from web forms to MVC, the tools are okay. Um, if if we could get some tools that um, a lot of scenarios, I think that would be awesome. I just think sometimes it's very, very difficult to, to build something that fits. Yeah, because, because generally if you think about it, um, not to say you, but generally if you're using web forms, if I think about, it could be just, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. (laughs) Which if that's your, if that's the reasoning for kind of not moving, then that's great. But if it, but generally, sometimes I see you're not moving from web forums to NBC or to Blazor, because there's some very interesting code (laughs) that you have going on that make it, very, very difficult. But I think um at least at it, if nothing else, maybe not an auto magic tool, but better like guidance, right? Um, you know, how do I how do I get from I'm here and how do I get there? And having some kind of uh like white paper guidance on that would be like super Helpful Because I think there, there's some things that are coming out right now for moving from like MVC to Blazor or from other technologies over to Blazor. So that, that would be good.
1: Structurally, web forms and Blazor are not that far apart. So aside from third-party components or custom components that you've built in-house, which you would have to either rebuild or find an alternative for... I'm hoping that the transition from web forms to Blazor would be relatively simple. I know there's going to be gotchas, but like the structure is not that much different.
2: It's interesting you say that because I remember seeing Blazor for the first time and I and I got a little bit confused because I was like, "Wait, those are Razor. those are Razor files. <laughs> and I was like, wait, those are, uh, I was like, wait, this is, um, we're, we're back to web forms again. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, yeah, there, there is a lot of similarity, but yeah, there, there's also kind of a, the, just how things are convinced, the conventions are very, very different. So, but there, it will take some getting used to, but that's an actually interesting project. I should, I should take that on. I've got some old school web. I got some old web form projects. I should try to uh, upgrade them to Blazor and talk about the experience.
1: If you do, I would, I would, you'd send me a link to either the video <laughs> or the article because we've got a fairly large web forms app where I work and yeah. the, the end goal is to convert it to Blazor.
0: And Jeff Fritz is working on stream sometimes on on projects to create Blazor components that seem to be mimicking Web Forms components. So there's an entire library that he's putting together.
2: Yeah, I've seen that. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah, I've seen some of the stuff that he's been doing. That's been pretty interesting. So, yeah, that that might actually be a good a good GitHub project to to kind of try and take a Web Forms project and just see what happens. <laughs>
0: So what what's next for you or do you have any other speaking engagements or anything else exciting coming up?
2: Yeah, so actually um on September 26th, uh we are doing uh .net code camp or DC dot, or sorry, DC code camp. Um it's not necessarily .net focused, but um so we have DC code camp where we Um, And it's all virtual. Um, We're going to have um, several tracks um, around cloud and web development um, and uh, all free. Um, So I'm actually going to be one of the MCs for the event along with speaking. Um, So I'll be talking about uh, Project Tie, actually and um, kind of microservices uh, with .NET, but there's a lot of great talks. Um, you know, everything uh, from Microsoft Graph. There's some talks around um, .NET ML .NET. There's there's a ton of really 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 good talks that are there. So definitely highly encourage people to dial in. It's all free, all all free and available. So um, it, that'll be fun on the 26th.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Project High is another one of those that I'm really interested in and, and keeping a close eye on. So for those looking to get more details, more exposure to what's coming in .NET 5 and C Sharp 9, do you have any resources that you might point them towards?
2: Uh, yeah, so I will, we've got, um, some posts out on our docs.microsoft site as well as uh, devblogs.microsoft.com um, sites that have uh, kind of everything that's coming up uh, with uh, .NET and C#. Sharp. There's also if you there's also if you look and and I'll make all of these uh, available um, and for your show notes. But if you actually go out um, to um, the, because it's all open source now. So if you actually go out to our, the C-Sharp language GitHub repo, you can actually see the features that are planned for all the releases. So you can you can actually see, um, go out to the issues list and you can actually see all the, what's, what's in nine, you can actually see what's even being planned for C-Sharp 10. So I, I highly like encourage, uh, it's, it's just interesting to kind of see uh, like the planning happening before your eyes. So highly encourage people
1: to go check that out. What has been helpful in your career that you might uh, share with those getting started or looking to level up their careers?
2: Um, I think what's really always been helpful for me is really being intentional about like allocating time to learn um, because you know, we all have a lot going on, even even though we're stuck in our houses now. <laughs> um, we all have a lot going on. You know, you've got families, you've got a job, you've got everything. But I think what's been really key um, in in my career has been finding those hours that I dedicate to ongoing learning and being sort of, very, you know, very strict about uh, like, you know, for a while it was kind of Saturday mornings were um, Saturday mornings, like, you know, nine to 11, I would like dial in on a plural Pluralsight course or Udemy, Udemy course or something like every, I, I just always allocated that time and I was my single days and then I recently got married. So now some of those hours got shifted from Saturday mornings, but always just making that time because I think, it, you know, um, learning technology is, it, it's, it's no different and, and training your mind to learn constantly new technology as it comes. It's, it's, it's sort of like working out, right. It's, it's something that you got to practice and practice at, constantly. And you can't really stop, right? Like what happens when you, I, I'm speaking from uh, <laughs> from knowing like what happens when you stop working out for two or three months, then it's like that next month trying to get back into it is extremely difficult. And it's the same thing when you sort of, if you take three or four, and I'm not saying sometimes you do need a mental break from tech definitely take that as well but there but you know if you i find if you're not constantly kind of exercising that tech learning muscle that it you know it, it makes things harder so i think just kind of being intentional in your time to kind of learn and also being intentional in your time of just like getting away from it <laughs> is uh super important
1: yeah that is that is pretty important and like you said somehow being locked up in the house all day long did not add extra time to be available. So you, you really have to make the time. Uh, do you have any social media accounts that you would like to share with our listeners?
2: Yeah. So everything is chicks can code C H I X can code. Um, so my Twitter account is chicks can code. Feel free to follow me. I tweet about mostly tech stuff and unfortunately, or fortunately, Football is back, so I also tweet a lot about football stuff on Sundays. Sorry if you're not a football, American football fan. Um, and then uh, GitHub is also Chicks Can Code, C-H-I-X Can Code. So definitely um, feel free to follow me or check, check out anything that I'm working on. And then I actually am, have started a podcast called Disrupting the Cloud, to showcase um, underrepresented minorities and women um, who are in cloud engineer roles, and so I kind of want to talk to people from cloud newbies to people very seasoned, um, top level in their career about um, you know how to get into a career in cloud, and um, yeah, and kind of showcase those because I so. I started it in August. We kind of took a small break this month, but we're starting again in October, so.
0: Thanks, Librina. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today.
2: Thank you so much. Really appreciate you guys. It's been great chatting with you.
0: That was Librina Loving. Labrina is a senior software engineer at Microsoft with over 18 years of experience in the Microsoft stack. In her role, she is focused on helping startups and ISVs migrate to Azure and modernize their SaaS solutions for cloud.
1: If you like this episode, please like, rate, and review on iTunes.
0: Find show notes, blog posts, and more at sixfiguredev.com.
1: And catch us live each week on Twitch, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at Six Figure Dev.
0: This has been another episode of the Six Figure Developer Podcast, helping others reach their potential. I am John Callaway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash.